Hi, my name is Rick Reddick, and this is the Nerdball Podcast. This is the Nerdball Podcast with Lorenzo Melcher. Thanks, Rick, uh, for coming on the podcast on, on kind of a short notice. I've been doing that lately. A lot of people I get texts from me, and then they, <laughs> they hop on, so that's good. Thank you. Well, this is fun. No, I'm excited to do it. This is my uh, second ever podcast, and uh, I woke up this morning thinking it was going to be a pretty boring day since baseball <laughs> got rained out, but as it turns out, I'm on the number one podcast in Perrysburg, so this, oh, all, this, all, this all worked <laughs> out just fine. Well, thanks. Yeah, my, my yeah. son was supposed to try out for 12U today, and that got ah, pushed to tomorrow. So I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tough day for baseball, but uh, next few days, so long as the smoke stays a little north of us uh, from Canada, well, we should be okay for baseball, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. He uh, he he was nervous. Well, he was a little nervous about it. Just He, he didn't make it this past season, but he was in his rec league championship game last night and ended up oh. losing, but, but he pitched, and – you know, as a dad, I, I'm also the scorekeeper and, you know, yell encouraging things from the dugout from time to time. But mm-hmm. his coach would look at me as like, hey, when, when do you want me to take him out? I go, he's looking pretty tired. He's getting he's, his pitch counts getting kind of up there. And and then part of me was like, well, I kind of want him to be able to you know, do tryouts, too. But I told my wife, I go, this is first. He has to do well for his team now mm-hmm. and then we'll deal with it later. And luckily he gets another day of recovery before tryouts. So oh, that's good. That, yeah. that all ended up working out well then. So that's yeah. good. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, the, uh, the first question I always ask everybody, uh, I have, well, we're going to get to eventually, but I have umpire questions for you because I used to umpire oh boy. and, and I have put some, me on the spot. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I kind of want to talk through some <laughs> stuff cause there's some stuff that I always like, I hope this doesn't happen type of yeah. deals to me. Yeah. And, uh, but we'll get to that. But the, the, the first question I want to ask you is, uh, what's something you've been nerding out about lately? Something you're, you're super into, uh, if it's something that just started or something you've been doing since you were uh, a kid. Uh, it yeah. just can't be about your work. So anything, it kind of gets you, the questions kind of get you away from work or, or just something that, that you really enjoy doing. Well, I feel comfortable being on the Nerdball podcast because when I say online chess, it doesn't sound much more nerdy than that. I've so gotten into online chess yeah, and, wow. and I'll play maybe about, and again, they're only uh, at most uh, 20 minute games. Okay. And uh, yeah, so I've gotten into that. I'm not necessarily very good. Uh, looking at some of those rankings, I think to myself, how in the world do you get that high? That's crazy high. But um, I enjoy it. And I'll, I'll usually get in about three games. It's summertime. So I have a little more opportunity to play, yeah. get in three or four games a day. And yeah. so it keeps my mind fresh. And, you know, I'm going getting into my mid 50s. So now it's, you know, keep that brain working. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I, yeah. Is chess something you were always into? Um, you know what? I didn't necessarily really pick up chess until after I was out of college and uh, started playing a little bit here and there. But again, you didn't have online at that point. And so I always enjoyed it. But when you said recently something I've been geeked up about, uh, really, I think in this past year, I've just gotten on a a chess craze. So uh, yeah, so I'm uh, geeking out playing chess. So (laughs) do you play not online too, like with family? Will you play it? Um, is it not as fun? <laughs> it's it's actually well. This is the one game that I think I can still beat my son at pretty consistently. Oh. <laughs> so he doesn't play me very much, but he would probably be the most solid competition in the house. He plays too, so yeah. um, and he would say he could beat me, but uh, not that much. <laughs> I, that yeah, that's something I, I never I never got into that. My my kids will play, and they'll ask me to play like uh, 
I think my in-laws have like one of those big rugs that that are it's a chessboard, so they have the giant chess pieces or whatever. And mm-hmm. you know, my kids were asked to play that. I was like, I have no idea what I'm doing. I've I've never yeah. played it. I've never, you know, I I guess you move it around and, and you try to hop mm-hmm. the other ones, and that's about it. So yeah, I you know I haven't gotten to the point yet that I'm actually looking at okay. What what are the strategies here? What what what's each piece supposed? I know what each piece mm-hmm. is supposed to do, the basics, but what are the actual strategies of becoming a better chess player? I haven't gone that route yet, but I've been thinking about it. Yeah. So <laughs> I'm getting closer and closer. You'll know uh, it's towards the end of summer when you start uh, finding videos on YouTube on what each piece. You're like, man, yeah. it's time to get oh, back yeah. to school. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, and and I'll, the other part of my um, thing that I've been geeking out about here recently is uh, doing personal finance things. I'm changing from the counseling department back into the classroom oh. for next year, uh, which is a change of 24 years in being yeah. in the counseling department. I'm moving into the teaching ranks now and teaching personal finance. And I am so stoked about that because everything in personal finance really is life planning stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. and so since the governor um, changed the law and now it's re- a requirement for the class of 2026 and beyond to have one semester of personal finance, mm-hmm. it forced, um, Perrysburg and a lot of schools around the state to add another teaching position. And so I applied for it and they decided I'm the person for the job. So, but yeah. when I looked at the curriculum, it was like, well, this is all, this is all life planning stuff, you know? And so <clears throat> I'm, I'm excited about changing gears and at 53 going on 54, um, this is, this is a fairly good change. I'm still a part of the schools, but um, uh, learning all the things you have to learn to have a good good class that's really important so i've been doing a lot of that over the summertime too yeah i uh, i think it's a good idea like it's you know uh to have some sort of personal finance some sort of knowledge even if it's i mean they're, they're forcing kids to take it really like right you have to take mm-hmm. this but yeah there's is going to be something that 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 they remember or that they can take from it or maybe they go into it thinking like well i, I have to take this class but then afterward like man i'm really glad i took that class yeah I ho- and i hope that's the case um, yeah you know a lot of students we consider ourselves like math students or history students or, or english students and the other subjects were like why do what why does this apply to me because yeah. i'm not that type of a student well if you're living this applies to you. So yeah. if you don't find application in this class, you ain't finding it anywhere, man. We need to have a little bit more serious discussion because it should be um, a highly relevant class. So it's my job to make sure they understand the the relevance of what we're covering. So yeah, yeah, I'm excited for it. You know, I I, I enjoy budgeting. So I do budgeting at my house and for our, our household. And with the Metro Parks, I'm in charge of our budget for the, the park that I manage, right? And yeah, uh, I tell you what, though, it's a lot easier... <laughs> a lot easier to spend somebody else's money <laughs> but you know but you know, it's, it's it's easier because you know we're we i have one of my budget lines and the parks is a small equipment budget so it's like mm-hmm. push mowers or weed whips or blowers and that kind of yeah. stuff and my staff kept telling me like hey we need this we need we need that and i showed up next day with two nude weed whips and, and a backpack blower and like man that was quick I'm like, well again it's easy to spend my money but i still stayed within that budget yeah. Of that for that line item you know yeah 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 and made your employees happy so that's yeah uh, you became a hero for the day no donuts the next day i'd be bringing donuts <laughs> made my no, job we, easier yeah oh yeah well i just stopped speaking of donuts uh i just stopped at papa moose's donuts in rossford i never i don't know if you've ever been there i've heard uh, of it i've heard yeah, of it it's, yeah it's uh there's all kinds of donuts there and i mean they got regular 
flavored donuts, but they also have uh, really crazy flavors. And mm-hmm. so I got a dozen of those today and my kids and my wife and myself enjoyed and those enjoyed those. But uh, I try to yeah. stay away from those places because <laughs> I will end up 300 pounds. I mean, I love donuts so much. Yeah, I don't get them very often. OK, but oh, my goodness gracious, I will pound. If we get donuts, I'm having three. I'm not having one. I'm what's having your, three. What's your and favorite? I have to push away four. <laughs> So, because I, I, I'll go there, you know. Yeah, yeah. What's your favorite donut or kind of donut? Um, you know what? One of the cinnamon twirl things, okay. where it's like a, a cinnamon. It's not a donut donut because it doesn't. It's have longer, a bowl. right? Yeah. It, yeah. Well, it's usually like a circle, and okay. it's like a spunny circle with cinnamon and a little vanilla on top of there. So, okay, okay. yeah, that's that's uh, that's good stuff. So, yeah, yeah. coffee and a and a nice sized <laughs> donut. Oh. Now you got me started. I might have this for dinner. They're good. And the guy, yeah, the guy was nice to talk to. But um Yeah. Yeah. So uh, you know, I, I usually start um with you know I I know you, you were my counselor when I was in high school, which is yeah, way back which, when. Yeah, because you said you said you've been doing it for 24 years. I'm like, okay, so yeah. he was I as I do this podcast and talk to people that that I knew or were my teachers or or part of my, you know, uh adults that I knew when I was in high school, and then I realized like, man. A lot of them were starting or shortly started be, shortly before I got there. And it, it's, okay. it's cool. Like you, you, I guess you don't pay attention to that because you're, when you're, when you're a student, everyone's a billion years old, right? You, yeah. You're just, yeah. that's oh, just yeah. the way it is. Right. Yep. But, but hearing you say 24 years, I'm out of school 20 years. So you were only in there for four years before I even got there. Right. You know? so, and, so, yeah. and I, and I taught at Wauseon high school. I actually started in education in 1993 Okay, okay. Um, I taught at Wauseon during uh, their heyday in, in sports where everybody was going to the state championship. We had football going to states and baseball going to states and girls basketball winning states, boys basketball going mm-hmm. state runners up. So um, I was there during all that time. So my biggest challenge was, OK, we're off again. How am I going to get everybody back on track? Because oh, we yeah. don't have school again. So um, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. So taught there for five years. I was an English teacher. Oh. Um, and then back to school for one year, I uh, jumped off the bridge, went right back into graduate school, um, did a two year program in one year's time. Cause I didn't want to stay out of the schools. Wow. Um, so, uh, the school year coming up will be year 30 as a counselor or a teacher, but really I've been a part of education for 30 years now. So, yeah. Okay. Yeah. My, my sixth grade teacher lived in Wauseon and her, her boys oh. went there. And I remember her talking about them playing football and being really good mm-hmm. and everything. And. That, that's funny. Yeah. Cause I, I didn't realize, you know, as a sixth grader, you just know your world. So I didn't realize they were that good back then with all the sports. Oh boy. They, they, there was something in the water. Um, yeah. but, uh, the amount of athletes going through that school was pretty fantastic. And of course the Griggs girls, well, uh, I was a teacher at Wauseon when their mom and dad were at Wauseon and, oh, okay. uh, their mom was pretty, uh, you know, fantastic athlete in her own right. She's in the hall of fame in Wauseon for, uh, for track. Uh, she's incredibly fast, uh, still runs. I see her running up and down my street. So, you know, the Griggs, Griggs family, they are, uh, they're pretty special. Um, yeah. his, his uncle, um, uh, was a running back for the Indianapolis Colts. Well, it was Baltimore back Baltimore, then the yeah. Baltimore Colts and, uh, played with Johnny Unitas. Wow. So yeah, yeah. Pretty, pretty great story. So, and, yeah. uh, his mom, I guess was in the, um, Corey Griggs's mom was in the Olympic swimming program. So um, it's a good DNA strand. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, have you always been in, did you grow up here in Northwest Ohio? Yeah, yeah. I grew up in a really small town called Okalona. Okay. Um, and uh, that's uh, midway in between Napoleon and Defiance. Um, our house was maybe about three quarters of a mile away from the Defiance Henry County line. So I uh, grew up in a cornfield or a bean field in my backyard, depending on the year. Um, uh, yeah, I, th that name, that name sounds familiar. My, because my grandparents lived in Hamler. Oh, sure. Yeah. Southern uh, so, Henry County. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I, I, because we, we'd always go to Defiance and Napoleon, but I remember when you said it, I remember seeing it on, you know, green signs when you're driving. Yeah. Yeah. A <laughs> uh, fun in my town was hitting the baseball, throwing it up and hitting the baseball and hitting it to Defiance County and back. So I would on the way there, see how many times it would take me to hit and then try to reduce the amount of times, the amount oh. of hits to get back to my property line. So that yeah. was, that was fun in my hometown. <laughs> spend hours out in the cornfield or the bean field until yeah. uh, the plants grew too high. And I'm sure uh, Norm didn't like me uh, roaming around in his corn and bean field, probably did some damage to the crops, but it's what it is. That's what yeah. you do in a small town. Yeah. Yeah. My, my parents used to talk about, cause they went to Patrick Henry. They used to talk about how they would mm -hmm. just drive and park alongside of the road and listen to music and hang out just yeah, alongside now, of the country road. Now, when did your parents go to Patrick Henry? So my, when did they go? My, my, I don't know exactly. My, my dad was born in 59 and my mom was born in 58 or okay. opposite one of those. Okay. Uh, but my, my mom had younger brothers that also went there too. Okay. Um, but yeah, they, they, I think they, they both went all four years. I know my, yeah, my dad moved okay. up here when he was 15. Um, okay. and went there. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Most of my relatives are actually in that area. So who knows? We could be related somehow. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> in, in a small county like henry county don't say no it, it, was, it could happen it could be a thing so well yeah. there, there is several like whenever i uh i mentioned it or something there there have been people that i've known for a while they're like oh yeah my my grandparents live there my uncle lives in hamler mm -hmm. or out that way or whatever so it's yeah it makes it seem a lot bigger than this as a i'll tell you what as a little kid going there though uh i loved going to my grandparents house it was fun and everything but uh, there was really nothing to do in Hamlet. No, uh, no. <laughs> we would go get get. It was pretty exciting when the gas station got also got pizza, so we were excited there. <laughs> uh, there was uh, we we go that to was that Just Stop? Uh, was that the name of the place? Just I think Stop? so. Yeah. Well, that, they sponsored our softball team. Oh, That's they? how I know that. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we yeah we I'd go play basketball at the um, I don't know what it was, but it was that big over like a big barn thing out there by the railroad tracks and that's where yeah. they would have hamler fest there yeah i used uh, to broadcast from hamler fest oh did you yeah i worked for wndh napoleon that was my first tax-paying job oh uh when i was 16 years old i just was it was a summertime and i'm i'm driving along in front of the station i know i'm going into broadcasting yeah. i've been uh, you know since i was eight years old with my own tape recorder broadcasting <laughs> the baseball games on television right so I knew I was always going into that. And so I looked up at the radio station and I thought, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and maybe find a time for an interview. So I went up and I talked to the secretary, wondering if I could uh, possibly interview if they had any jobs. And she yeah. said, hold on one second. And so she went back and she spoke with uh, Bob McClymans, the general manager. And she goes, you can go right back now. And I'm in shorts and a t-shirt. And I said, um, I'm not really dressed or prepared for an interview. She goes, don't worry about it. So I went back and 
Bob McClymonds was this classic FM DJ voice. I mean, yeah. deep, resonant. And I sat down and he said, Richard. And I was like, oh my gosh, I felt like I was in trouble. He used my first full name. And so I sat down and he was speaking to me about why he wanted to get into radio. And, and I was, we were talking for a little bit and he goes, okay, follow me. And we go back into the production studio and uh, he says, go ahead and sit down, put the earphones on. And so he leaves and I, he comes back and he has back then they had the AP wire that would just, you know, produce stories, the okay. old school. Yeah. And he did what's called a rip and read where you go ahead you go to the AP wire, choose your story, rip it, and like it's a news flash, and you're ready to go. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he presented the scenario. This is hot, late breaking news. You've never read it before. I'm handing it to you. You're going to break into regular schedule the program. You're going to read it in a way that grabs the attention of the listener. Yeah. He said, Okay, go. <laughs> so I mean, I'm I'm trying to keep my keep my pants on here. I'm like, Oh my God, are you yeah. kidding me now yeah. outside? I'm trying to play it really cool. Right mm -hmm. inside. I'm freaking out. So I went through and I actually read it pretty well. And he said, okay, thank you very much. And uh, he gave me a, a book to read about broadcasting goes, I think you'll enjoy this. And so um, didn't hear anything. Didn't hear anything. Um, a little bit better than a week goes by. It's on a Sunday and he gives me a call and and he said, uh, Rick, this is Bob McClymonds. And I said, oh, hi, Mr. McClymonds. How are you? And he goes, call me Bob. And all right. <laughs> so and he said, uh, what are you doing next Sunday? And I said, uh, going to church. <laughs> and he goes, <laughs> and he paused. He went, after church. And I was like, uh, I don't think I have anything planned other than watching football. And, and he said, well, if you would like a job. Uh, we need somebody for the Sunday afternoon shift. And uh You'll uh, be trained on that day, and then the Sunday afternoon shift will be yours. And so uh, that was my introduction into broadcasting. And I got to broadcast for five years and broadcast then on to uh, uh, Bowling Green when I was there, wow. uh, broadcast from the Hamler, Hamler Fest. And so uh, things really started to to get cooking with broadcasting. So, yeah, it was it was a lot of fun being a broadcaster. What what? what besides, I mean, baseball was the story you told about hitting the baseball over the county line. And that, mm -hmm. I mean, is that what what got you into like, Hey, I want to, I want to sound just like these radio guys. Cause I know that's even now as almost a 40 year old, my, I, there's nothing better than listening to Tom Hamilton call the guardians game. I love Tom oh, yeah. Hamilton. Yeah. You know, but, yeah. But, but, but is there something, I'm assuming it was somebody that you listened to. You're like, Hey, I want to do that. Sure. You know, Ernie Harwell, the voice of the tigers, uh, the other Georgia peach. Um, <clears throat> he was somebody I always listened to. I was that little kid with the radio underneath the covers listening when I was supposed yeah. to be sleeping. And, and of course loved listening to tiger baseball. Um, but, uh, I was always a yapper. If you couldn't tell, I was the little kid that at the restaurant would be five tables over asking people about their meal. <laughs> that was me. I don't remember that, but that's yeah, what my yeah. parents said. They had to keep an eye on me because I would disappear and go start talking to somebody. So, um, wow. how, how I didn't get like, uh, kidnapped or something is beyond <laughs> me, but apparently I would do that all the time. Going they, didn't, they didn't they didn't bribe you with the right it wasn't candy it was a hey i got this microphone you want to <laughs> no I, I just go ahead and start talking to people so wow. we go you know shopping and i would be getting lost in the middle of the clothes rack right go hide and then i'd end up going talking to the cashier as she's checking people out so i'd i'd always be drawn to that so yeah. i i guess you know being around people and speaking with people um interviewing people um i've always loved doing that and yeah. so it just so happened that um, the more, and I wasn't even going to go to college. I was going to specs powered broadcasting school in Detroit, Michigan. And then, um, there were some colleges that were interested in me and baseball. And so uh, that kind of 
turn things to, well, maybe I go to college because I wasn't a I wasn't a college bound student. I had a 2.3 grade point average at the end of my sophomore year. Um, I, you know, I had a lot of friends with 3.0s. I was a 3.0. No. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> I was a little bit of a goofball, but um, my old speech and debate coach, uh, who was also my football coach, said, uh, you know, when are you going to stop screwing up your life? That was where the exact words. And <laughs> he told me I was going to join speech and debate. And I did. And the, the next semester I had a, a 3.6 and uh, some direction in my life. And so it's amazing um, how that changes your world. And then once I got into college and uh, got into the major after one year, I thought, well, I can do the broadcasting job, um, but I need a backup. And so my backup was education. And then the more I got involved with education, the more I really liked working with kids. And I could see how um, I could change lives in that area, still get a more consistent paycheck than what you would get in broadcasting, right? Um, so, but, uh, I found a little bit of a life purpose. And so, uh, you know, 30 years later, uh, after my first job at Wauseon high school, um, I, uh, I still love it. Um, mm-hmm. and I'm kind of surprised. I always wondered after 30 years, would you be still excited to be a part of the world of education and be relevant with kids? I like to think that I am, but I know that I love working with kids and, uh, love my job. So, um, uh, it just so happened life worked out. Yeah. Well, yeah. What uh, did you ever think about it or do, are there ever any times where you get to like uh, scratch that into broadcasting? Because I'm assuming that it didn't oh, go yeah. away, right? It's still something right. that you like to do. Yeah. Well, still doing the PA games for basketball, yeah. you know, yeah. um, still get to get on the mic. I mean, I would love to in a retirement job, be the PA guy for the mud hens or, or, mm-hmm. or the walleye or, or something like that. So yeah, getting back to that um, is a part of the career perspective because i'm thinking about my next career because i'm i'm could retire at 56 and that's way too young to retire and um i would drive my wife crazy so um (laughs) it's all good but we we know that i can't sit still for too long so yeah um, no i'm thinking about my next career now and so that's something that's definitely on the plate so i would love to do something like that you i just saw last week that ut is looking for a pa person can't do it not as a falcon (laughs) Sorry. <laughs> well, you know, I told I told Connor Wallenzak, I said, listen, brother, I'll be rooting for you, but I'm not telling anybody about it. OK, but here I am on the broadcast. I, I, I will hope all's well for you until you play Bowling Green. Except one game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah, so no, once a Falcon, you know, I'm not I'm not going to be switching gears. Sure, my kids, sure. my kids have already uh, asked me about that, and it's like, what if I go to UT? What if I go to Michigan? And I was like, well, that's fine. You become uh, independent right off the bat. Don't come home. <laughs> we can meet at a park somewhere. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but yeah. So no loyalty to to my people. Um, sure, yeah, that's yeah, good. Falcon Nation. <laughs> yeah. So, so you mentioned uh, you were playing baseball, and you, you know, that's yeah. kind of what led you to college. What, yeah. uh, what, what position did you play? I was a catcher um, and I never played another position. I mean, I played two innings of first base one time in high school, but uh, you know, I was the chunky kid had Husky pants, you know, and I was, yeah. <laughs> so back then kid goes behind the plate. So, <laughs> my, my parents said they always had to buy me, make sure all, all my pants, jeans, everything were elastic. <laughs> oh yeah. 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 So, um, but then I ended up thinning out, but, um, you know, that was kind of the transition of bigger catchers, like a Carlton Fisk, Uh, you know, really big guys, uh, Lance Parrish. And then they started to go to smaller catchers like a Mike Piazza, 
right? Or and then to you know Pudge Rodriguez and normal sized uh, because those guys are just so big. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, a little bit more normal sized catchers. But uh, I was a little bit of an unusual catcher because I was smaller. Uh, I was fast. Um, I didn't have a great arm, but my footwork made up for it. And so um, just kind of maximize those tools. But a catcher who can steal base, that's really odd. So um, yeah. I became a little bit of a, okay, we got a catcher here who can steal. How do we put him in the mix here? How, mm-hmm. how do we figure that out? So I was a little bit odd. So I, I caught um, scouts eyes only because of that. Um, yeah. Not because I was that exceptional in any other area of the game, but um, I called a good game, was a wall behind the plate, and uh, was just a smart baseball player. So what I lacked in skill, I kind of made up for in the intangibles. Well, well, that's right, because, you know, you talk about even just being fast and, and stealing bases because it's just one one more person that they didn't expect to be able to move on the base pass. Because, right, right. Cause the catcher is like, all right, well, he's a catcher. Uh, they're probably going to bat seven, eight, nine, and mm-hmm. we're going to have to someone's gonna have to hit the ball off over the fence to get him in you know so it's right it's an added luxury yeah my on-base percentage was really probably my my highest mark um my senior year <clears throat> i uh dislocated my shoulder with six games left and i was mm. three walks short of the all-time walk record so oh. i was like are you kidding me <laughs> i was averaging like 1.3 or 1.4 walks a game i had 26 wow. walks wow. so um yeah so i was like just <clears throat> foul balls off it's easy to foul balls off and so once i learned how to do that hitting became much easier because now I'm just looking for my pitch Mm -hmm. because if I don't like it and it's close to the zone, I'll just foul the sucker off. So uh, being a tough out that all those kind of intangibles, it was like money ball before money ball. Those, those were the things that, because there wasn't a lot impressive about my game, but there was something that was just kind of caught people's eye. Mm -hmm. Um, And as it turns out, uh, Steve Peril, uh, I don't know Hmm. if you know Steve or not. Yeah, I do. Yep. I umpired with great, with, I think it was Griff. Yeah. 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 So coached him. I didn't know this, but he was the guy he was scouting for Bowling Green. He was Bowling Green's assistant coach under Ed Platzer. And he was the one who saw me uh, at Napoleon in a game and uh, was the one that recommended me to Ed Platzer. So he told me that story. And as it turns out, I became a, a little bit of a joke because when he came back and he said, yeah, Jeff Corey, who was my friend, who was a phenomenal baseball player, mm-hmm. they called him Kong for the King Kong home runs he would hit. Uh, <laughs> so that was his nickname Kong. But after they got uh, done looking at Kong, he said, uh, you know, there's a catcher from Napoleon. We ought to take a look at. And Ed's response was, there's a catcher from Napoleon, <laughs> like this no name from nowhere. And so it became this running joke. Oh yeah, sure. There's this kid from, uh, yeah, there's, you're the, sure. You'll find another catcher from Napoleon. So I was a running joke. So I got a preferred walk on and I walked on and uh, Kyle Reiser, uh, who was a longtime uh, baseball coach down at Elmwood, who was the assistant coach at the time. He was uh, checking guys in. He goes, yeah, what's your name? And I said, uh, Rick Reddick from Napoleon. I'm a catcher. And he said, Hey, Hey Ed, it's the catcher from Napoleon. <laughs> I thought, wow, I'm really something. They know all about me. How did that, you know? So, uh, so it was funny how it ended up working out. What I didn't realize is they were telling a joke at the time. <laughs> so, Damn, yeah. 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 So, but, uh, as it turns out, um, I made it to the last three got cut in that, um, in that fall, my freshman year, 
but then they had catchers that, um, and they had five catchers they had all on scholarship. So I had no chance of, Ooh, wow. I didn't know that at the time or otherwise I'm down at OU cause they were interested as well. Um, and so, um, ended up, uh, uh, coming back in the spring because, uh, one catcher like flunked out of school. Another one had a career ending injury and another one just got homesick. So there were down to two catchers. So I was, I was basically a bullpen catcher for that spring and worked out with the team. Yeah. Um, and then, uh, in the fall came back and was with the team for, uh, maybe a little bit better than a month. And, uh, I was a poor kid. Uh, I was there on a Pell grant. So, you okay. know, Pell grants only go to the kids that have need. Right. So yeah. I had some pretty good need. And I uh, couldn't have a job, you know. So at that point, I had to realize that, hey, there there comes a time, Rick. And uh, so anyway, I made the decision to uh, to to walk away, keep working in radio, keep a paycheck coming in. And, okay. and so I had to make a little bit of a mature decision, got a job as a night guard as well. So had to keep the income flowing. And yeah, and that was it for baseball. So it wasn't much of a career. Well, well, it's funny because as, as much as you were like into broadcasting, I'm going to go to this broadcast school in Detroit, and oh, you know what, this baseball, and it's it sounds like it was a, maybe a year of you at BG completely changed your trajectory of what you yeah. of where you're going. Yeah, really did, really yeah. did. Well, you know what? Um, it's interesting what happens when people really start to understand how in control of their lives they are, mm. and so. Um, our kids, and I see this as a counselor, our kids and many times get told what to do, but that prevents them from thinking what they want to do, mm -hmm. you know? And so I always end up posing questions in my junior's appoint junior appointments about, you know, so what's next for you? And they automatically will say college, 80% of them will say that. Yeah. And I say, like, well, why college? And they say, well, get a good job, better career. And I say, like, oh, a career. Well, what are we talking about for a mm -hmm. career? What is it you want to do? And they'll say, what do you mean? <laughs> Well, college, is that college, isn't, gonna tell college is not a career. Okay. <laughs> That's an expensive way to uh, make a living. You just keep yeah. on shelling out, don't have anything coming in. And so, and so many times I, I think that our, our kids get kind of wrapped up in that and they feel like I just have to do what people tell me to, and I'll be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, so that's another part of me being very excited about personal finance. Cause I get to pose the question, okay, we know what income is about. Let's talk about your skill sets and let's see if we can match your income for the type of lifestyle that you want to live. Mm -hmm. And, and how do you do that? And the more you're in control with your life, trust me, the more independent you are, the more happy mom and dad will be. Yeah. If you think mom and dad are on your case, well, here's a way to get them off your case. Come up with some answers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, start exploring you. You should be the most interesting subject at the high school. Forget about English. Forget about math. Forget about any of these things. You should be the most interesting subject you have in four years at Perrysburg High School. And if you're not thinking about that, boy, the other piece of the pieces of the puzzle, I can understand why it's tough to connect the dots as to why is this important? Why is that important? Mm -hmm. Connect those dots. Understand that you're a subject to learn about, to develop. You don't know you as well as you think you do. Ask any adult. <laughs> They were not the smartest in the world when they were 16 or 17. Yep. You won't hear any adult say, I was at my best at 17 years old. And if you do, that's a pretty sad adult. Mm. Boy, I was I was my best at 17. But what have you been doing the last 40 years? <laughs> Dear Lord, that's that's a sad story. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, anyway, we're met uh, all of us at, at all parts of our lives, learn and grow. And uh, and so anyway, once we 
first start to do that, I think it's it's really exciting to get people on that path. And maybe that's why I love education so much, because I had a great teacher, Mike Burke, who who did that for me and got me on that path of independence and control. And you can do anything you want to, but you've got to put in the work. Um, once you really start to embrace that, happiness comes right along with it. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I like that you said about lifestyle because and the few people that listen to this podcast regularly will will be rolling their eyes because I always tell the story. But Scott, I talked to Scott Buecher, uh, and he he had mentioned he changed because a lot of times it's the same thing. Like, hey, what are you doing after after high school or where are you going to college after high school? Like like they're just people just assume kids are going to college. And yeah, he said he st- he switched it and started asking kids, what lifestyle do you want to do you want to le- live? after yeah. high school and that's exactly yeah. what you're talking about like you yeah know, how do you how do you how are you happy be happy first and then you know get this job that allows you to do whatever you want to do on, on on the side of it you know yeah the the, the discussion we have that's that's great and I, he's he's fantastic I, mm-hmm. I love that guy um he does such great things for kids and uh the discussion i have is when you talk about happiness, understand happiness is usually pretty easy to come by. Those are the things that we're interested in. Those are the things we're engaged with. We're having fun doing them. So happiness is pretty easy. Um, and it's really a byproduct of byproduct of what's most important. And that is fulfillment. Mm-hmm. Fulfillment is so much harder to get. It's so much. You have to work to be fulfilled. And what does that mean? I'm doing what I was put on earth to do. And whether that's you know, teaching a class or whether that is building a wall, okay, or construction or whether that's engineering and problem solving or, or whatever that is, I'm really good at that. I feel fulfilled by doing that job and I can see the purpose and how it benefits more than just me. When people stop thinking about themselves so much and start thinking about how can I engage, how can I make people's lives better, how can I do when people get to that point where how can I do versus just thinking of how can I be happy? Yeah. How can I have happy that that can lead you down a many dark path, man. <laughs> that is very I true. I mean, yeah. happiness. Oh, I'm happy. Yeah. Happiness is like a flirtation. Okay. That mm-hmm. might make you happy, but true love makes you fulfilled. So mm-hmm. when you're in love with what you do and you find that fulfillment, that satisfaction, my goodness, everything else just takes care of itself. You'll have problems, but yeah. but but that that's like a beacon of light in the darkness. It's a lighthouse, man. Just keep on going towards that. Everything else works out. So what are what makes you fulfilled with, with uh, what you're doing? Um, I think probably and, you know, um, Part of that, my wife and I, it's funny that you mentioned that part of my, my wife and I just had this discussion on the front porch the other day, uh, as I'm putting together campaign signs and yeah. getting, getting amped up for my next uh, city council run is just being, um, somebody that people can go to mm-hmm. people know that if there's an issue and I'm struggling, figuring it out, this is a guy who's going to listen, who's probably going to shut up and listen, even though I'm a yapper, mm-hmm. uh, I surprise people sometimes and I just listen <laughs> Um, but, but somebody who's reliable, somebody they can trust, um, that to me, um, is filling the, the same vat that got filled for me when I couldn't do it for myself. So I kind of see myself as somebody who can be that and maybe, you know, in retirement, uh, do that for more people than just Mm -hmm. the students at the high school. I love working with the students at the high school. It's great, but um, maybe I can do more of that uh, after my uh, teaching slash counseling career is over. 
Um, so the more I fill that need, the better I feel about who I am and what I can do. So, yeah. um, yeah, so that's, that's, that's what gets me going. Um, well, well, that that's, I mean, that's perfect for why somebody would want, want to run for a city council. I mean, mm-hmm. for as much like, I always think about politics and I live in a township and you know, the, the, we have like a board that I could be on if I want to, but I have zero time anyway, but I always think about that too. Cause I, yeah. I feel the same way. Like, yeah. like I, at work, like I like being in charge of the team and helping my team and my staff mm-hmm. and when, and when they have issues or as simple as, you know, like I said at the beginning, buying a couple of weed whips and some blowers and they're excited about it, you know, yeah. even though it's 90 degrees and I'm making them go weed whip, they're still excited because <laughs> it's a new thing. Right. Right. So I, I, helps them do their job easier. You make yeah. my life easier. Yeah. 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 So I like all that, but like being in government, it's, it's takes a lot of, I mean, the thickest skin you could have, right? Cause everyone, everyone is, is either super for you and you're grateful for those people. And then the people who aren't, aren't just in the middle, they're like way on the other side and they're, they're just digging in and it's, yeah. it's, it can be frustrating, but I oh, think yeah. that the, the overwhelming sense of like, Hey, I'm here to help people will pro- try, you know, get you over that. Well, and you're right. And you have to have, you know, I grew up umpiring. That was a really good uh, college job as well. And so you have to have a little bit of an umpire's personality where you have to keep things in line. Uh, You have to watch your mouth. Um, uh, And not just so much of, oh, somebody might use this against me. I I don't operate that way. But in the same way, I really believe that respect when you say, uh, you know, they disrespected me. Well, consider this. Um, I really believe that respect is something that you give, not something that you get. So if somebody is disrespecting me or I feel disrespected, um, I'm not going to necessarily continue to allow that to happen, but I'm not going to disrespect. I'm not going to share that back with them mm. by by being upset because what does that do? That just creates toxicity. And, uh, and if you want to do something other than that, and I really do, then all of a sudden I'm on their playing field. No, 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 no. Come to my playing field. Uh, we can talk about this. We might disagree. You might not like me and I'm okay with that. But what I'm not going to do is I'm not going to shut you off. And I've had that in previous council meetings where people were legitimately upset. And, um, you know, when you're up there with three people, when you're working on committees, um, you know, there's some people that's like, you gotta, you gotta calm them down. No, no, no. Let them talk. They're passionate. They care for the city. They wouldn't be here, take time out of their busy schedule to come to us to let them know, let us know why they're upset. They wouldn't be doing that if they weren't feeling passionate. That's a love for the city. And whatever we're doing threatens that. So let's see it from their perspective. We're a threat to them. How can we not be that threat? Or at the very least, if we're disagreeing on that, how can we still respect one another? And you've mm-hmm. got to sometimes show them that path. Um, so I've had people that have been very upset with me um, in council meetings, um, specifically committee meetings. But at the end of the day, I'm going to respect their thoughts. I'm going to try to say what they just said to make sure that what they said was clear. Um, but you have to be patient and understand that people are speaking because of their passionate. And that comes from a sense of love of the community. Yeah. You've got to respect that, respect that love, that passion that they have. Um, and if you do that, usually they realize that they weren't disrespected regardless of what they said, how hard they said it, mm-hmm. they still were respected. And if you deliver that, then you have the ability to provide a civil discourse uh, versus these keyboard warriors you see all the time. <laughs> yeah, that just 
it breeds on itself. Um, it just, ugh, it's yeah. toxic. So well, yeah. Was that, was that something you had to learn or, or were you like pretty like good at that when you first, when you got in there? Like, was that, was like being understanding of everyone understanding that they just love their city. Was that like a learned thing? Uh, I think I learned that prior to getting on. Okay. Um, and so that was something that, you know, cause I've, I've had a fiery personality. My nickname in college was fuse, uh, for oh, short fuse. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I was, I was pretty short fuse. So, uh, that going to back to a baseball story, there was a, a situation <clears throat> I'm trying out for the team. Right. Yeah. And so we're the last three guys, my freshman year. And so we get to play with the team. Okay. Last three guys, you know, cause they're, they kept one pitcher. I wasn't it. Uh, so, so anywhere we're trying out and, um, there's uh we're playing an inner squad scrimmage. Uh, I get the ball guy stealing. I gun him. I mean, I had this guy dead to rights and he was one of the fastest ones in the team. I anticipated that. I saw he, he had a little knee flitch that told me he was going. So yeah. boom, I got him and I nailed him. Shortstop doesn't cover this shortstop. Okay. was, <laughs> was all Mac and didn't cover second base. So I lit into him what in the world i heard you were all mad you don't look like crap to me get your ass over there so i was upset i mean i was i was so here's this walk on think of a pair of his yeah this walk on. i'm the leader of this team and he's calling me out oh no 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 so we start going at each other we started not running but we're talking and walking to each other it was going to be on they took everybody pulled Here's this walk-on who's almost getting into a fight with one of the team leaders in a wow. inner squad scrimmage. So yeah, short fused, right? Yeah, that's great. So, <laughs> but the other the other side of it is I impressed the coaches that this guy doesn't back it down for me. Yeah. yeah. Now that was also pretty stupid. <laughs> and I probably looked pretty stupid, but uh I decided that the uh over time, the more you lose your temper, the more out of control you are, uh, the more whoever that is that you're upset with, the more they win. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty competitive. So why would I let somebody get one over on me? Why yeah. would I let somebody push my buttons? Uh, you can't get to me. I'm, I'm so much more hardcore than you'll ever be just because you can say what you say or, you know what? You, you be you, man, you be you. <laughs> so I learned that. I actually learned that over time. And I think being a part, being a school counselor, being a counselor, because we are counselors and just, in the school. Yeah. But uh, being a school counselor and a mental health professional allows you to iron out some of your own junk mm. uh, before you can help other people with theirs. So I, I think I learned that through that process of uh, starting to understand really who I am, what makes me tick and, and really how I want to, how I want to live my life. And, and uh, so I, I got a little bit of a taste of that before I still have that fuse in me, but, <laughs> but I think I, it's important. That's still, well, just like you said, with, with the, the people that come in and, and people from the community come and talk to you, it's still important to have some sort of something that fires you up, some sort yeah. of fire to keep you going. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, um, you know, you don't have to be a pushover, you, but I, the most, the people who I admire the most, um, have the possibility of being really dangerous people. Um, but they don't, Yeah. but they hold that back. Um, and I heard this one time, you know, don't confuse, um, weakness, uh, with, uh, civility. Okay. It's because, uh, because if you're weak, you're incapable of doing, you know, of being that kind of fiery person or being a threat or, but the person who, who could be, but yet they're not. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's to me, the real test of maturity, of thoughtfulness, of understanding of all the good qualities you want to be seen as 
is that, yeah, can I be that? Oh yeah, I can be that. But why would I? Mm-hmm. Why would I? Um, I'm not necessarily somebody that should be messed around with, but in the same way, I, you know, I've got a spine. I'll stand up for myself. But just because I can do that doesn't necessarily mean that I should do that. And I, and I think that um, somebody who Plato, I think, said this, that um, the people who uh, should be in power don't look for it. Mm-hmm. Um, those are the people who really should have positions of leadership and p- positions of power. I just hope to get on council and and be somebody who's a thoughtful voice, who's well-reasoned, who does his research, who comes with um, not just beliefs, but real life facts and uh, treats everybody with a degree of respect that they deserve. And everybody deserves that. So I, I think that that's what I hope to contribute, just to continue to be another positive driving force. And right now, Perrysburg City Council is a really good group of people. I, I've yeah. got to say that, and the ballot that's coming up, I will not speak poorly about a single candidate because there's not a there's not a candidate that isn't worthy of that position. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, even um, Carrie Wellstein and I, who are uh, coming in, in a sense, kind of new to the ballot, uh, all those candidates have great experiences, are committed to the Perrysburg community. Um, there's Perrysburg can't go wrong in this election. There's a It's a five-person ballot with four seats available. Perrysburg Perrysburg can't make a bad choice. Uh, Every candidate, I think, comes at it from that perspective of how can I help the community be better, do better. And um, so, yeah, it's a it's a great ballot. So if you don't vote for me, uh, Perrysburg isn't a loss for that. I'm not saying don't vote for me, but (laughs) uh, I put some work into this campaign. Oh, yeah. In the same same way, um, I think you can pull the ballot and feel good about whomever you choose. So the uh, voting for this isn't in this ridiculous August election, right? Or voting time. It's in regular. Oh, no. yeah. yeah, it's in November, November 7th. Yep. Okay. All right. Because yeah. um, that's that's something that's pretty hot around, right now. Oh, too. boy, and, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> and my, my dad explained it to me because uh, I, I, I didn't realize what was going on at first. And then my dad explained it. was like, well, we'll realize they, they basically said, hey, we're not going to do this anymore, except for this one more time. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, oh, okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Putting it on an August ballot um it too just is um it's kind of suspect to me. So yeah, yeah. why not put it in November when more people have a say? Uh, yeah. because in August uh now the other side of it is uh the ballot, you know, the I actually went to Wood County because I had to drop off some um uh campaign finance uh forms that were supposed mm-hmm. to fill out in certain times. So I thought, why not vote uh, early? So oh, this nice. is the first time in my life I ever voted early. I always vote on election day. But oh. since I was there, hey, why not? Yeah. So, nice. um, but uh, the, the ballot box is open right now. Uh, if anybody wanted to vote, just go to the Wood County Courthouse and and they'll take you um, even before you get into the Board of Elections. You'll go through a security. It's just off to the right. And there you go. Nice. Awesome. Uh, b- before I let you go, I do want to talk about umpire and you mentioned that, but well, yeah. first of all, g- good luck, uh, it, it, with your city council. Thanks. Um, I, I think, uh, I think the mayor was on here too before, but I, I like these interviews because people don't always get to hear their, their leadership, like just be candid and be talking. And, you know, especially yeah. this, this is an hour long where people can just talk and, and be who they want. And I think that's important right. for people, especially if they, 
you know, I, I don't know about. You can tell I'm parts. not necessarily trying to fully impress. I came in a t-shirt, right? So, <laughs> you're a man of the I was, people. I was doing yard work, and it's like I got a shower. Zoe needs me here, <laughs> so uh, came in a t-shirt, and here we go. Let's roll. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But uh, uh, how, how long have you been umpiring? Um, <coughs> excuse me. You said Just, in college, right? Yeah, when I stopped playing baseball, I uh, picked up the mask. Um, umpiring okay. a mask, so. Uh, 24 seasons. Uh, I umpired kind of that travel circuit while I was in high school as well. Um, but as far as high school umpiring, I did some college games as well. Uh, 24 seasons now. One of my favorite things, and I'll probably get back into it once my kids are are a little older. Maybe maybe they're not playing baseball, softball anymore. But I loved umpiring. It was yeah. so fun. Yeah. Uh, the money money was good. It's mm-hmm. it's from from my understanding. I haven't done it in a, in a few years now, but even that that's even better. But it's a lot of fun mm-hmm. and. Um, I, I, I never got, um, certified. So I only did up to like 12 U or something, you know, the travel, travel stuff. Um, but you learn a lot, uh, you learn, uh, which coaches know a lot of, a lot of rules Mm -hmm. when they come at you. Uh, most, most of those guys though, that know everything, they also know to be respectful and to call time and come talk to you and that kind of stuff. Um, the, the one question I had, uh, because this was the toughest thing for me to call, and I would always hear umpires say it differently, is interference at first base. Uh-huh. And it just happened uh, at my son's game last night. Well, they didn't call it because, you know, um, nothing really happened. It probably could have been. The, the first baseman moved into the line to catch the ball, and then our runner really had nowhere to go. But he was out. They Whatever. No one's going to argue. But what what do you – what? What constitutes interference at first base? Well, depending on depending on where that first baseman stepped, if he stepped anywhere in fair territory, um, that's going to end up being an interference on the runner interference because he's out of that baseline. Okay. Um, so at the 45 mark uh, in between that, you know, if I'm doing normal high school baseball yep. distances, <laughs> but halfway in between first base and home plate, there's the 45 degree line. And, and that's where that, that lane starts, uh, okay. that base lane in foul territory. And the runner is allowed to come back into fair territory to touch the base only. So if he's in fair territory and he interfered with that throw, that first baseman's in fair territory, that's clearly going to be on the runner. Um, so they have to be in that foul territory. Yeah. Um, so that, that ends up being a pretty easy call. Now, The state of Ohio actually did a a rules clinic this year was a point of emphasis where they wanted us, excuse me, they wanted us to bang that even if it didn't interfere with the throw. Oh. And the reason for that, if the catcher, and many times it's whatever happens behind the catcher, if the catcher gets up and throws that ball and that runner is in in uh, fair territory it could cause the runner or the the catcher to um to throw wide to cause the first baseman to stretch and if there's any other base runners on base now instead of advancing one base yeah they go back to that previous base so it becomes a more important call than what you think now i don't know any umpires that if the balls hit the shortstop and they throw over and the base runners in that line doesn't collide or make any contact with first baseman. I don't know any umpires are going to make that call, yeah, but if it's, yeah. if it's the catcher, chances are I've got interference, dead ball runner returns. So they made that as a, as a point of emphasis this year in the state meetings. So okay. um, that's, that's a tough one. Can, can you ever call a can, 
can you ever call a first baseman for like if the if the throw carries him into the baseline and the runner can't get to first base, can you ever call something on the first baseman or does that not exist? Excuse me. Um, incidental contact. Yeah, there's there's things that can happen. Hold on one second. So yeah, yeah, get some water, man. <laughs> Wow, sorry about that. Oh, you're good. You're good. Don't know what yeah. I swallowed there. <laughs> well, <clears throat> to um, in that situation, actually, I had that kind of a play at the district championship in Bowling Green. Anthony Wayne was there. Throw went up the line, right? Yeah. And uh, and went into the runner. The runner was in a good position. The throw went into the runner, and it ended up becoming an incidental contact thing because one. When the collision happened, it looked as if he applied the tag, but he didn't control the ball. The ball went away. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> Coach Nell from Anthony Wayne wanted me to call um, uh, an obstruction call on first baseman. I didn't give it to him. He was very upset about that. Um, but I said, you got first base anyway. Yeah, you could have had second. No, he didn't. <laughs> so uh, so anyway, but no, you, you can have that at first base. <clears throat> and that really becomes a discretion kind of a call yeah um is it a you know play happens sometimes and sometimes it's a play on situation it doesn't necessarily have to when two guys collide doesn't necessarily have to result in an obstruction or an interference typically it does yeah um but sometimes it's a uh, it's a play ball situation do you like being behind the plate or in the field uh behind the behind the plate yeah i'll take behind the plate all day and being a catcher Everything just seems right back there. Okay. Uh, I am not as good on the bags, and I'll admit that I'm not as good on the bags as what I am behind the plate. Me either. I, 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 yeah. It's just, and they tell us too, like whenever we have our meeting at the beginning of the year, they, you know, we just go over new stuff for new guys and this kind of stuff, and they even say like, hey, when you're, it's okay when you're in the field to take a second two seconds, gather your thoughts, then call safer out. Yeah. Like, like you don't have to do it immediately. Like it's, right. you can think about it and then call the, call the out. But it's, it, I don't know. It's, it's, I, I just like being behind the plate a lot more too. I used to catch too. Maybe that's part of it, but I, yeah. I just like, I just like it being back there. And I like yeah. talking to the catcher. You mm -hmm. know, I just like have all those interactions. Right. Well, and to me, you have the ability to set the tone of the entire game. Mm -hmm. uh, the base umpire doesn't have that real responsibility but the tone of the game is set by the plate umpire that's why that's he's the point. umpire in chief right yeah. so especially if i don't know the guy i'm going to be working with and that happens quite a bit in high school baseball uh, because different uh, organizations all kind of come together i could umpire with a guy from fifth district or the finley uh -oh. association or the metro toledo i'm a wood county guy um so you umpire with guys that you don't know sometimes and if i don't know them I got the stick uh, okay, okay. <laughs> just because I don't want anybody crazy back there. Um, yeah. And I want to make sure that most of the calls I'm responsible for um, yeah. because that does set the tone. And, and, you know, you make a really good point too about the timing of your call also in many ways dictates the timing and pacing of the game. Mm -hmm. And what's more boring than a slow moving baseball game. <laughs> it's incredibly boring. A yeah. slow moving game, even baseball people will say, oh, this is a, this is a pretty terrible game. Um, but and only because it's slow moving, not because yeah. it's 
bad play, but it's a bad game if it doesn't yep. move. So as an umpire, you have the ability to affect that pacing. So um, yeah, as, an, as a plate umpire, you have the ability to, and the responsibility to be sharp. Yeah, And uh, I like that. It's a challenge. There's nothing that, and that gets me worked up more when I'm watching like my daughter or my son's games, when the home plate umpire is not paying attention to how many warm-up pitches they get in between innings. Oh. I'm like, yeah. okay, they they're throw, they threw like 12 pitches. Let's get this game going now. Right. Yeah. Well, and I'm I'm one that I'll get always give the two signal because I'm counting and I'll do the exact same thing every time when um and I told this to some young umpires that like, oh, that makes sense. And I said, always go to the side of the foul line in between innings where the team is leaving the field. And they're like, why is that? I said, they're the happy guys. <clears throat> The happy guys are the ones leaving the field. Hey, we're out of the inning. Yeah, yeah. Everybody there heading in your direction is happy. You want to go to the team that just is going out to play defense? They're not nearly as happy. So go to that side, right? You're not going to get ear candy over there. Yeah. They're happy. You're done. You called an out. It's all good. Yep. So that's one thing. But also when you're standing there and you're counting pitches, just always give the you know two signal to the catcher to let them know that I'm counting, right? Yeah, yeah. And so – um so, and what the, the fans see that too. So it's like, oh my gosh, this guy's sharp. He's doing the yep. same exact thing, the same exact time, every single time. The timing of the calls are the exact same. All of a sudden, if there's a whacker of a play or a close call, you might get a little, oh, but you know what? You don't get the wave. You don't yes. get that yeah. person or that group that it doesn't cascade on itself. Mm-hmm. It's like a ripple. Yeah. So long as you're set professional doing things the exact same way, every single time you hustle, right. You show interest, you talk to the players, you know, look like you're having fun out there. Fans won't fans won't give you hardly any feedback of, Oh, you're so terrible. And that just (laughs) feeds on itself. So, and, and it's really not, it's not that difficult. People, I think sometimes make, make it difficult on themselves. Yeah. And it's all, it's all, Basically, it comes down to when I used to be the director of umpires for the rec league here in, in, in Parisburg, I used to tell them it all comes down to hustling. If you if you are in position to make a call and you someone's going to be upset about it, but they're going to be less upset if you're in the position you're supposed to be in. Yep. If you're working by yourself, every play, you got to take the mask off and get, get out from behind that plate to make a call. Yeah, yep. Obviously, you're going to be further away from everything, but if you're moving, constantly moving, looking, like you said, interested, knowing that you want to make the right call, then it's going to be a lot less because they see you working back there. And it's amazing how many compliments you end up getting. Yep. Um, yep. I get <clears throat> I get so many, and this isn't pumping me up, but I just think it's, if you're professional and engaged and whatever, you're going to get, hey, thank you and mm-hmm. great job. And because people are very appreciative of the fact without you, you don't have a game, Yeah. you know? Um, and I think that uh, the state of Ohio and uh, the National uh, Federation of High School Athletics um, has done a really great job of letting people know, hey, fans, you're being turkeys and you're yeah. running people away from the game who allow the game to happen. Because if you don't have an official, you don't have a game. So mm-hmm. if you care so much for your kids, care for the game, care for the people who are making the game happen. So I think there's um, there's a lot of good momentum from an administrative standpoint of people who are overseeing these sports, really educating fans to say, Hey, you know, one, they're humans too. 
but they're the ones making the game happen. So let's treat them with some respect. So. Yeah. And any, any sport that I'm a coach of, I, I cannot tolerate my fans saying stuff to the umpires. And it, it even happened, you know, sometimes this season where I would turn to a parent and I would just look at them and go, Hey, we got it. And then we, we would talk to the umpire, especially yeah. if, the, if I know the umpire is doing a really good job and like, yeah, it's one call. We'll talk to him. But I just, I cannot stand parents like just, and, and usually they understand that I used to be an umpire and I, and I'm a, you know, I coach a lot of sports and I used to mm-hmm. appreciate football, like all this stuff. So like when, when I noticed that, like, that's a, that's one thing I'm not going to deal with. Cause I would tell when I was an umpire, I would tell coach like, Hey coach, you better get your fans in line or that particular person in the red hat. Otherwise I'm throwing him and you out of here. Like, and mm-hmm. then the coach would go take care of it. But that's the one thing that really bothers me too. Yeah. 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 So, but, <laughs> but outside of that, I mean, uh, you, so long as you know what you're doing, I mm-hmm. mean, you can even make a mistake on a call. I actually made a mistake on a call uh, this past year, uh, a book rule. I made a mistake on it and the uh, coach challenged me on it. And I said, well, it's throwing to an unoccupied base. Right. So <clears throat> I called a ball because the, the kid threw to an unoccupied base kid going from first to second. Uh, he did a turn throw, a flip throw uh, to second base. And I called a balk on that because it was unoccupied, but actually the rule states, and I messed it up, um, that if the runner is stealing, the pitcher can throw to an unoccupied base to drive back the runner. It's the second part of that rule. Okay. And so I, I, and he said, well, what is he supposed to do? And I said, if he steps off, he can run at him. He can do anything. And he goes, but that's not the rule. And I said, from my standpoint, it's always been the rule. Well, I went back and I checked the rule. <laughs> Oops. Yeah. So, hey, that happened, I, right? but I emailed the coach and I said, coach, one, you were right Two, I want to tell you how much I appreciate the argument because you argued it. Not only were you right, but you did it in a way that didn't embarrass me as an umpire. You weren't going to get your way anyway, but, um, <laughs> yeah. but, but you respected the game and yeah. you respected the people who make the game work. And I, and I actually sent that email to him and his principal oh, nice. uh, to make sure that they understand that one, I was at fault. I'm owning it. But um, the uh, coach down at Fostoria and the principal and the AD all knew that, hey, our coach is doing it the right way. Yeah. So that, that I think that ownership, even though I would rather have made the right call, I think that that reflected well on Fostoria. It reflected well on the umpiring profession, even though I boned it. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, that's just, that's a positive move. And so um, that's the kind of things good umpires do. So if there are people listening who are considering that do things like that. Yeah. 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 Well, Rick, uh, I really appreciate you coming on here. Uh, but before I let you go, there is, there's one more thing I do. Uh, it's a quick video only segment. Um, so I I have this box of questions. I hope Uh, I I don't cough through that one too. (laughs) I mean, geez, oh Pete, I was losing a lung here for a while. That's right. Um, this, uh, I, I never say the name of this game because I don't know if I'm going to get in trouble. I don't think I'm popular enough to get in trouble yet, but uh, it's just a box of questions. <laughs> um, okay. There is uh, three kinds of questions. There is um, icebreaker, deep, and deeper. Uh, if, if we do it in person, I have them person pick them, but since obviously we're not in person, so I'll just pick a card. The only thing I, I tell you, if you get an icebreaker, you have to do another one because icebreakers are like, what's your favorite color or whatever. Oh, okay. I got um, it. I got so I'll pick one here. I'll read the question here. We'll end the podcast and then I will come back on and uh, you'll answer the question. So, okay. All right. Pull, pull one out. 
Um, all right, you got the middle, which is a deep, deep question. Okay. So, uh, uh, the, your question is: Have you gone, or would you go to a psychic or medium if, if you've been? What did they say? Has it come true? So, again, you can think about that. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Uh, everyone, go over to the YouTube channel to uh, to see Rick's answer to this question. Again, the question was: Have you gone, or would you go to a psychic or medium if you've been? What did they say? Has it come true? Um, everyone, vote for Rick. Uh, Rick, thanks again for coming thanks. on here. It was really awesome. I really enjoyed talking to you about uh, about umpiring, and you know, just just I think it's important to hear uh adults talk about uh hey uh, college isn't always the answer there's many ways right. to do things uh right. find your find your happiness w- what fulfills you so uh, so thanks mm-hmm. for sending those uh, great messages yeah thanks Zoe. hey i really appreciate being on uh, i've still got your sticker by the way on my refrigerator oh nice i've got the nerdball podcast on my refrigerator <laughs> i go there often because that's where the refreshments are in the garage so <laughs> well, thanks well, for th- the sticker yeah thank you <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for checking out this episode of the Nerdball Podcast. Please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you're hearing this on any of the podcatchers. On YouTube, hit that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. We're kind of coming at you two times a week now, audio and video. Check us out on all the social medias. Just search the Nerdball Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok. We're out there. Uh, Gmail is the nerdball podcast at gmail.com if you want to shoot us an email we'll be happy to get back to you thanks to real jp multimedia cuttlefish graphics perrysburg junior high stem lab and big daddy graphics for helping out the podcast thanks for listening we'll see you next time